0: The left uses a shooting in Boulder, Colorado to push their race narrative and gun control, Governor Kemp signs an election reform bill, President Biden hosts his first press conference, and we look at what the gospel has to say about racial issues. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is the of to Freedom Show. The show is sponsored by Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. So if you always wanted to start a podcast but didn't know where to begin, Anchor is for you. Anchor is very simple to use and it's also free. All you do is simply record your audio from your phone, computer, laptop, wherever, edit it, and then post it. You can monetize it with sponsorships or donation buttons. And you can distribute it to sites like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check it out at anchor.fm or download the app. Again, it's anchor.fm or download the app. Alrighty, so we are back. I hope everyone has had a great week. So we have a lot to get to today, so let's just jump right into it. So earlier this week, unfortunately, another uh, mass shooting happened um, on Monday afternoon. This was in Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. And basically what happened was there was a, a gunman who went into a grocery store at, it was called King's King's Super's grocery store in Boulder, Colorado. And the um, shooter went in there and shot about, uh, killed, about, t- sorry, 10 people were killed, including the police officer. See the officer's name. One second. The slain officer was a 51-year-old Eric Talley, who was the first member of law enforcement to arrive on this, at the scene. Um, Harold said that he was shot in the head according to the arrest warrant um, after, after the or whatever. So again, it's a, it's a horrible, another horrible, horrible situation that happened, and you know the gunman has been, um, you know arrested and is probably going, being held um in jail and is going to go through be hopefully prosecuted and all that, but of course you know then this, this didn't stop the left from pushing their whole race narrative and gun control narrative like they always do. So let's start with the race race narrative, because that's probably one of the bigger bigger parts of this. So basically, you know, when the guy was, you know, arrested, the shooter, um, a lot of people on the left automatically assumed that the guy was white, and that this is a product of white supremacy and whiteness or whatever, whiteness, and simply because he was detained without issue. Like and all that. So, here's a few tweets from a few leftists about it. So, the first tweet is from a guy named CJ Uh, Roll, Rollman. And here's what he said The suspected gunman in the Boulder, Colorado mass shooting is a white guy, seven reported dead. Q mental issues, bad day, parking dispute, or anything else other than that he's most likely is a white domestic terrorist. A white man walked into a grocery store. In this, i uh, sorry. This is a guy from named uh, Dylan Park, and here's what he said: A white man walked into a grocery store in Boulder, and Boulder, killed ten people, and appreh- was apprehended by the police and walked out of the building completely unharmed, which is not true. Uh, right down the road, the police still killed Elijah McLean after while he apologized for not doing anything wrong. Two different Americas. The next tweet is from a guy named Tay Anderson. And here's what he tweeted out: Aurora, Colorado, 12 dead, white male shooter escorted out alive. Charleston, South Carolina, nine dead, white male um, escorted out alive. Atlanta, Georgia, eight eight dead, white male escorted out alive. And then Boulder, Colorado, 10 dead, and white male shooter escorted out alive. See a trend? And finally, the other tweet is from. A guy named uh, Kasim uh, Rash- Rashid. Um, and here's he's what he said. Tamara Rice was a 12-year-old black child. Shot, shot, police shot him in uh, 1.7 seconds and let him suffer in agonizing pain for four minutes and die. Colorado, Colorado Terrace is a grown white man who killed two including the cop. A cops arrested him alive and helped him to to a to for immediate for, for immediate medical care. So basically, you kind of see the narrative that the left is trying to push right here. So here's another set of tweets. Pull it up. This is from Mina Harris, who is the, actually the niece of Vice President Kamala Harris. And here's what she said. The Lenin shooting was not even a week ago. Violent white men are the great terrorist threat in our country. I saw a boulder trending and, and I immediately knew my heart is with everyone affected by this horrific tra- tragedy. This is absolutely devastating. From um, from someone inside the story where the boulder shooting happened, it seemed like all of us had imagined we'd be in a, in a situation like this at some point in our lives. So, of course, the whole narrative that the left's trying to push is that all this is a product of white supremacy and, uh, whiteness overall, overall, and, you know, kind of the whole narrative about how the shooter was escorted out alive, arrested, um, without issue or whatever, okay, you know why, because he didn't, he didn't resist arrest, there's this whole narrative that, because if the guy would have been colored, which I'll get to that in a second, that the police would have shot him right away without, even if he didn't resist arrest, and that's a whole part of the whole narrative from the love of that. The police are systematically racist, and then they shoot, go out, and hunt black people and shoot them. While they peacefully apprehend white people. Or whatever. I mean, it's, it's not true whatsoever. This, the facts and evidence does not hold in their favor. It, it simply doesn't. Because, in fact, you know, the number... It is never black you know say black people who are shot unarmed by a police is very 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 low like in I think of 2019 or even 2020 is like nineteen of them and even in those situations it could have been that the guy was still attacking the police that's why they were shot with so again is, the evidence does not hold again for the left that the cops are systematic racists who are out in the streets hunting black people every day. It's simply not the case. So, of course, as time went on, as you know, as on the information came out, it turns out the less narrative about how this was another product of white supremacy and all that, well, it didn't quite pan out as they hoped. Because the shooter who the shooter was actually a Syrian um, immigrant who, you know, had um, mental issues and was apparently a big advocate for, or had support for, like, ISIS and was, um, you know, hated you know, Trump and all that. So, and, so yeah, their narrative that this guy was a white guy is completely torn apart. Because he wasn't, and of course, I'm not gonna show a picture or name the suspects, the shooter's name, because again, like I said last week, I have a you know policy on the show and on the blog overall where I don't name or show pictures of mass shooting mass shooters simply because you know study shows when you do that it basically it has this way of showing people you know. They can get attention by doing this. So they encourages copycats basically. So that's why I avoid using the shooter's name. Mass shooter's name on all these cases. But you know again. Their narrative about race was completely destroyed. In a matter of seconds. when When the identity of the shooter came out. So that's why you kind of see the story kind of being buried a little bit because it didn't fit their narrative because the media has a narrative that's saying and the narrative they're trying to push is that America is system- systematically racist and anything that isn't that contradicts their narrative they're just sweeping under the rug um, even even with the shooting last week again there has been no has been a, week, a little over a week there has been no evidence to support the notion that the shooter in that case was Doing it for racial reasons. There's no evidence of that, but the, the left is still trying to push that narrative. It's ridiculous. But of course, you know, like clockwork, another narrative they're trying to push is the whole uh, gun control narrative. And so, another one, number one thing that some of the left on trying to do was basically blame the NRA as is usual. And some people calling the NRA a terrorist organization and all that, which is not it happens every mass shooting where the NRA is somehow responsible for responsible for it, and that they are a terrorist or terrorist organization as if they're hiring the shooters to go out and kill people, which is no evidence that has never been the case in any mass shootings. no mass shooters in in all the all history. In America has been linked to the NRA. The only link is that. Well, really it's not even a link. Is that the NRA supports gun rights. And the left his gun rights. And anybody, anybody who stands up for it. Must be destroyed. Which is why they come down hard on the NRA. So there's this guy named. Uh, his uh, Twitter name is called. No lie with Brian T- Tyler Cohen, which, um, I guess his name is Brian Taylor cohen and here's what he said. Um, holy, holy crap, that is, he said another word, but I don't want to actually use it. But anyways, he said, Boulder, Colorado passed an assault weapons ban in 2018. The NRA sued the city and a judge struck down the ban 10 days ago. The Boulder shooter bought the gun six days before the shooting. This, these deaths were, were the direct result of an NRA's intervention. No, it wasn't, actually. It was not. And the actual the gun that was used was not a quote-unquote assault weapon, which... An assault weapon is not actually a thing. Usually when you hear the term assault weapon... Is usually referred to like um, automatic um, firearms, which are not legal in the United States. But the shooter in this case used a pistol, which was not banned in the assault weapons ban. So that narrative is completely torn apart right there. So, so yeah. <laughs> but of course, they didn't st- just, uh, not sell the left or the media or you know, the Biden administration for from pushing gun new gun control um measures so president biden has recently said that he's going to be pushing a new uh trying to push on congress to pass a gun, uh, gun control bill, bill and all that so here's what he had to say about it
1: while well, we're still waiting for more information regarding the shooter his motive the weapons he used, the guns, the magazines, the weapons, the modifications that apparently have taken place to those weapons that are involved here. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common-sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. I got that done when I was a senator. It passed. It was law for the longest time. And it brought down these mass killings. We should do it again. We can close the loopholes in our background check system, including the Charleston loophole. That's one of the best tools we have right now to prevent gun violence. The Senate should immediately pass. Let me say it again. The United States Senate So one thing I
0: want to comment on right there that's a complete lie is that the whole assault weapons ban in 1994 or whenever that was passed um, worked to stop mass shootings, which was not the case at all. It's actually not true whatsoever. And the whole idea of the, you know, the Charleston loophole, there's, you hear this like the gunshot loophole and all that. And basically what the gunshot loophole is, is that basically if I go there... Buy a gun legally, and I give it to a relative like my brother father or whatever, that's considered the loophole right there, which is i mean come on it's not anything unusual it's not not anything strange or whatever it's pretty common all throughout the United States and if that was a like if that was a big issue we were in, we would already know it but you know they want to shut that down and the way to shut that down is going to be requiring a, a national gun registration so i can't pass on my firearms to my son or daughter or wherever so yeah that, that could that's a big infringement on the second amendment rights and the idea that any of these gun measures would have stopped this is completely laughable again so up ban would i stop this shit, in particularly because it was not an quote-unquote assault weapon. According to the last definition, at least. Because it was a pistol that kind of looked like an AR-15. But it wasn't. But the thing is, when the left uses... They really kind of broaden out what an assault weapon's ban is. so Or what assault weapon is. So some really... Kind of the narrative narrative on the left that they use for the term assault weapons is that it's basically anything that's semi-automatic. So when you when you look at it like that, and they want to ban anything that's semi-automatic from that standpoint, that would eliminate pretty much almost all guns, all handguns, except for like um, revolvers and yeah, pretty much just revolvers. Every rifle, except for bolt action, pump action, or sorry, lever action, all shotguns except for pump action. And so the vast majority of guns will be banned. And they say, "Oh, it's not a gun ban." Yes, it is a gun ban. So, and no, so no. When Biden says we can't, pa- we can pass an assault weapons ban. Well, you could try, but it's not going to work. And so, what it's really states would need to do. At this point, is that, and I hope, you know, Georgia, Florida probably will do this, is that they're going to say, um, no, we're not going to force this at all. You can pass all you want, but we're not going to enforce it. And try to make us enforce it. If you want to enforce it, come down and enforce it. But we're not going to enforce it. Because, again, we have in a second, and I know the left wants to ignore this, but we do have the Second Amendment right in the United States. And here's what the Second Amendment says. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The key phrase, shall not be infringed. So it's, it's insane. It's completely insane. But again, we saw this coming from a mile away. From a mile away. I'm really surprised it didn't happen last week. With it, but... It kind of did, but not as loud. But it's insane. It's completely insane. That they're still trying to push this whole thing. But it's not going to work. And there's no way... People here in Georgia, people in Florida, people in Texas... People in Louisiana, people in Alabama... Or whatever, are not going to fall... or not going to obey this. They're not going to go with, go for it. Alrighty, so... Bef- so... I'm going to continue on with, you know, the, uh, Georgia reform, um, sorry, the Georgia election reform bill, but first you got to go over to YouTube, or I got it free and bother to check it out. So not only you get the rest of, you know, of the, the election reform bill, but also, uh, Joe Biden's press conference, and also kind of what, talking about what the gospel has to say about racial issues, and also the good stuff of best of the week, And remember, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. This is The Guide to Frame Show. Alrighty, so now let's move on to the election reform bill that passed here in Georgia. Alrighty. So, over the past couple of days, uh, Governor Kemp signed into law um, here in Georgia. Um, it's the Georgia's Election Integrity Act, which is a legislature basically an election reform bill to help fix some of the issues surrounding, you know, the 2020 election. And everything that's why, that's why this thing was being pushed in the first place because all the chaos and issues surrounding that election. And as you know, as I said a few times already in this episode or in, on the show, is that I don't believe I've not seen evidence that proves that the election was stolen or anything. Um, I do think you know, there was some weird things, things that did happen. But none of that was enough to prove that the election was stolen, and until evidence comes out, I'm going to keep saying that. I know that's a very unpopular opinion on the right nowadays, but it's reality. It is the reality of the situation we are in right now. But it doesn't mean that there should be anything that we can't face anything, because you know there was cases of fraud. Again, it wasn't enough to overturn the election. But there was a few, few cases of fraud, and it does need to be addressed. And this, you know, the Georgia election bill, you know, it really is the starting point to fix all that. It's not perfect, but it is pretty good. So let's see what, what the actual bill says. So um as a article in the Daily Wire in the Daily Wire that basically goes over the bill. So here is what the article says right here. As the Daily Wire reported, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed the Republican-Backed Election Integrity Act of 2021, or SB 202, into law Thursday as Democratic lawmakers pr- protested the bill. With Senate Bill 202, Georgia will take another step toward ensuring elections... Elections are secure, accessible, and fair, Governor Kemp said on Thursday. Assuring the integrity of the ballot box isn't partisan. It's about protecting the very foundation of who we are as Georgians and as Americans. Predictably, Democrats condemned the bill as a supposed symptom of continued voter suppression and white supremacy. Which is no shock. For example, Elizabeth Warren compared the bill to Jim Crow while promoting the debunked conspiracy theory that Stacey Abrams won the Georgia government Tory race in 2018. Here's what she tweeted. she tweeted out. The Republican who was sitting in Stacey Abr- Abrams' chair <laughs> All right. <laughs> so silly. Uh, the Republican who was sitting in Stacey Abrams' chair just signed a, a despicable voter suppression bill into the into law to take back Georgia to sorry, to take Georgia back to Jim Crow. The Senate must pass the the four people for the people act and John Lewis Voting Rights Act immediately. Our democracy is at stake tonight. And the whole for the people act that garbage, garbage, garbage uh voting bill in the um in the House right now that the Democrats are trying to push is it's unconstitutional. Because elections are really supposed to be on the states to handle. The states are supposed to handle their own kind of electoral results and all that. This will nationalize it and create all sorts of problems. It will get rid of all voter ID requirements. It will just open so many possible scenarios of voter fraud. Like actual voter fraud. That could potentially... Actually, steal an election. So, what Governor Kemp here did was prevent that. And this could be another case where, like, Georgia, Florida, Florida definitely is not going to, you know, we're not going to push this. We're not going to force this law. We have our own laws in the election. And if you want to try to force it, (laughs) come and do it yourselves. And honestly, I'm probably the Supreme Court will look at it and say, no, this is unconstitutional. We're going to strike it down. But I just love how the left is still trying to push the narrative that, for both election, for 2016, that Trump was the illegitimate president because he stole the election then, and that Governor Kemp stole the election from Sita Abrams, which is, is no evidence of either case. And they want to come down on Republicans, and rightfully so, in my, in my view, but it's still hypocritical on them. For saying that election was stolen in 2020, which it wasn't, but still, it is very hypocritical that they still push their this narrative while trash Republicans were some some Republicans who um believe it for doing the same thing. While much of the criticism focuses on um, either on the wildly widely, ups- widely sustained and um, hyperbolic comparisons to Jim Crow policies or specific cynical mischaracterizations of the bill, such as Senator John also tweeting, Us outrageous provisions, it criminalizes giving water to voters who are waiting in line. It remains important to avoid distractions of partisan politics and understand that what the bill actually says. So here's what we need to know. Again, this is on the Daily Wire. Voter ID requirements for absentee ballots. One of the um, uh, central components of SB202 is an ID requirement for absentee voting. Currently, all that was required was that the vote, voters sign an application with signature matching process processes used to verify the identity of the potential voter. Now absentee voters will be required to provide some a form of identification. Whether it be a driver's license, a state ID number, or a form or other form of identification, any person applying um, for absentee ballot by mail shall make an, um, shall make application and write it on the form made available by Secretary of State state. In order to confirm the identity of the voter, such form shall um, require the elector el- the to provide his or her name, date of birth, address, as registered address where the elector w- wishes to the ballot to be mailed, and the number of his or her driver in Georgia or his or her Georgia driver's license or identification identification card. Um, thirty-five LC two twenty-eight O three twenty-five issued. Pursuant to Article Five of Chapter Five of of um, Title Forty, the, the the bill declares: If such um elector does not have a Georgia's uh, driver's license or identification card issued um, issued pursuant to Article Five of Chapter Five of Title Twenty of Forty, the elector shall affirm this fact in the manner of prescri- manner prescribed in the application. And the electoral shall provide a copy of form of identification listed in subsection C, a co section 212417. The form made available to the Secretary of State shall include a space to affix a photocopy or electronic image of such identification. The Secretary of State shall develop a method to allow secure electronic, electronic Transmission of such form. The deadline for requesting an appetite ballot in this manner will also be set 11 days at 11 days before um, Election Day. And so the next thing it does is a, a reduction in early voting before runoffs, with runoffs held four weeks after the general election. The bill reduces early voting period um, before runoffs from three weeks to as little as one week. The bill also calls runoffs to be held uh, four weeks after the general election. The lengthy nine-week runoffs in 2020 were exhausting for candidates, donors, and electors. By adding ranked choice voting for military and overseas voters, the runoff period can be shortened to uh, more a manual period for all for all involved, easing the burden on election officials and and on electors. However, weekend voting for general elections has been expanded, with a mandatory two Saturdays of voting offer, offered across the state. Counties are also able to decide whether to offer early voting on two optional Sundays. And the next thing I'm going to try the last thing I read are right here aims to address and update voter processes and disparities after COVID-19 alterations. The argument throughout the um, presidential election in favor of mass FT of um, voting was that it was necessary to change required to deal with the challenges of covid the COVID-19 pandemic. SB Two makes the argument point that, sorry, SB Two makes the in point. Are inarguable point that the stress of the 2020 elections, with a dramatic increase in absentee absentee by mail ballots and pandemic re- restrictions, demonstrated where there were opportunities to update existing process processes to reduce the burden on election officials and boost voter confidence. In the same section. The bill also noted the broad discretion allowed to local officials when it came to altering voting voting days and hours, which led to significant variations across the state. In addition, the disparities regarding timing regarding timing, the bill also notes the variation in funding. Some counties in 2020 received significant infusions of grant funding for election. Uh, election pro- operations, while other counties receive no such, no such funds, providing uniformity in and, and the distribution of funds to election operations will boost voter confidence and ensure there is no political advantage conferred by preferring certain counties over others in the distribution of funds, the bill reads. Alrighty. So again, this bill is pretty good for the most part. Um, but, again, it's not perfect because, you know, one of the things it does do is still allow things like early voting and all that, which, again, early voting should not be allowed. Um, I have participated, participated in it myself because of work reasons, simply because it was <laughs> what's available. But, again, it does, in my opinion, it still need to be done. We have an election day for a reason. And that's when, that's the window you should be able to vote right there. And as far as um, SD ballots, and that should be, again, restricted to where you had to give a specific reason why you can't make it in a legit, legit reason. And, you know, provide ID and all that, which is this, what this bill does, is, you know, require ID for absentee balance and everything, which is really good, and it needs to happen. So overall, this is a great starting point, and I do think, you know, states should eventually follow suit with this, and hopefully, hopefully they do. I know, you know, Florida is probably, (laughs) already has their stuff together, but I said, like, you know, Texas, Michigan, you know, places where there were issues, need to probably pass this so hope and hopefully they do so you know one of the things you know the left is now trying to push is that this was now a racist and just radical piece of legislation like you know like Elizabeth Warren said that this is a product of uh Jim Crow and all that you know President Biden said his exact same thing so here's the way he tweeted out about about it the Jordan voting law, like so many others being pursued by Republicans in state houses across the country, is a blatant attack on the right to vote, the Constitution, and good conscience. It's Jim Crow in the 21st century. It must end. No, no is not a product of, 21st of Jim Crow. Because the whole idea that somehow... It is horrifically racist and horrible to require ID to vote. Like, I don't understand the logic. Is the logic from the left is that, you know, people of color are somehow too dumb to get IDs? Because if they believe that, they're the ones who are being racist racist right there. Because it is very simple to get an ID. It doesn't have to be, like, a driver's license. It could be, like, a simple state, state ID. And it's, it's very very simple to go get, if you want to vote. I mean, an ID is used for many cases, for many 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 other things. But somehow it's very bad to use it for voting. I just don't understand the logic. So the Washington Post will release an opinion piece. It's um, titled "A Scorching Reply to Georgia's, Georgia's Vile." New voting law unmasked a big GOP lie. So here is what the piece says: The 2020 elections in Georgia should have been a cause for celebration among everyone, not just Democrats who won the state's presidential, um, states, presidential and Senate races. Amid extremely challenging conditions, election officials took smart public spir- public spirited steps steps to ensure that as many voters as possible could participate. And it worked. Turned out it was impressively high on election day and during the Senate runoffs, especially among African-American bo- voters. That should have been widely sh- cheered. Yet, it's especially what the state's le- um, Republican officials apparently want to ensure it never happens again. The Georgia Republicans just passed a far-reaching voter suppression law. I love that. The voter suppression law that is shockingly blatant in efforts to restrict voting. It was signed Thursday by Governor Brian Kemp as one one Democratic lawmaker who sought to watch was arrested. Well, she wasn't just watching, she was actually banging on the door and trying to get in and everything, so that's why she was arrested, but she was released. In multiple ways, the measure appears to, appears designed to target African-American voters, the very voters who drove the 2020 Democratic wins. The complaint is at the core of a new lawsuit filed on Thursday night against the law. But the lawsuit also exposes in a fresh way the appalling dishonesty of Republicans who continue using former President Donald Trump's lie about the election to don't survive voter suppression efforts everywhere. Again, you don't have to believe the lie Pre- President Trump was trying to push in order to believe that this law was needed. Again, election reform is needed all throughout the United States. And this is not voter suppression. Voter suppression on steroids. Most conspicuously, conspic- the new law bars third-party groups from sharing food and water with waiting voting lines, and imposes new ID requirements for vote-by-mail, restricts job boxes for mail, mail ballots, and bans mobile voting places, among many other things. The lawsuit by several voter rights um, groups, rep- represented by Democratic lawyer Mark Elias, argued argues that the package um, unduly burdens the voter rights of all Jordans, disproportionately African Americans, violating the Voter Rights Act and the Constitution. No, it doesn't. The lawsuit assigns the extremely high turnout voter turnout in the general election and the runoff elections uh, facilitated amid a raging pandemic by, by vote-by-mail, which was issued which is used by African-American voters at higher risk than white voters. The law is largely targeted toward the fact that the, that the fact lost your argues, restriction, restrictions on drop boxes and mobile voting units um, come after both he- were heavily util- utilized and Fulton County, a populist voter, m- m- vote majority black area. African Americans are more likely to use job boxes because they're they more often work multiple jobs. This year argues. Meanwhile, bans on sharing food and water target the fact that voting lines and wait times tend to be longer in um, African American voter, African American areas, and black voters are disproportionately less likely. Have the right to qualify the right ID to qualify to vote by mail, the lawsuit argues. The critical point is that the past election worked due to very the very practices Republicans now would occur. Organizer, distri- organizers distributed food and water, and enabling vo- voters to have to brave lines. Election officials used expanding vote by mail and drop boxes and mobile units to, 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 to civili- facilitate. Pandemic voting. This is this successful mobilization is widely heralded as crucial, facilitating Black voter turnout. Lawsuit notes, which is precisely the problem. The lawsuit argues what Republicans want to avert is another successful successful mobilization. When Republicans give away the game. The justification that Republicans themselves offer. The for these measures gives away the real game the real game here. Defenders say that they are needed to ensure the integrity of future elections and boost public confidence in them. But the elections in Georgia were actual actually were conducted with absolute integrity, and the Republican Secretary of State um himself attested to this. That official Brad Raffensberger declared the legends were safe and secure. This cause <clears throat> caused Ravensburg, Ravensburger to become a target of Trump's rage. But that doesn't mean that Ravensburger said wasn't true, because it is true. This was confirmed by confirmed in a statewide audit. Indeed, Ravensburger attested to the integrity of Georgia elections more generally, declaring Georgia's voting system has never been more secure or trustworthy. Which raises questions: Why are these measures needed? If Georgia elections were already secure and trustworthy, why to why to avert another successful, why to avert another successful mobilization? As the lawsuit argues, the very fact that GOP officials confirmed the integrity of elections shows the measures serve no legitimate purpose or compelling state interests other than to make absentee voting, absentee early in election day voting more difficult, especially for minority voters. Yes, the law doesn't include some doesn't include some earlier un, un, onerous provisions such as limits on Sunday voters and drivers, but that doesn't mean change the fact that many that the fact that many measures that are restrictive have no serious um, rationale. So yeah, this again, this piece is just absolutely ridiculous again. The idea that somehow this was unnecessary and that this was just really the Republicans trying to go after African-American voters, trying to stop them from voting or whatever nonsense. It's not true whatsoever. Again, yes, the election here was secure in the sense that it was not stolen. But there was some weird things that did happen. There was some weird things. And so it's not... The election here was not, across the country, was not entirely clean. Even though there was no evidence that it, the election was stolen, it was not entirely clean. So again, this legislation is necessary. It is necessary to make the elections more secure and to, you know, boost voter confidence, which is very crucial, very crucial. All right, So now let's move on back to President Biden. So President Biden, after about sixty, about I think sixty-five days or so, he finally held his first press conference, and as you would expect, it was not good. I I, I can't joke about it because it is quite sad that this guy is not there. He is Im- very clearly and mental decline, very clearly, and the left and the media want to ignore it, they want to say, oh no, no, he's, he's all with it, he is sharp, he is a man of integrity and transparency and everything, it's it's not true whatsoever, this guy is not there mentally anymore. So here's a, um, a little bit of a clip from his press conference.
1: So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, i we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh, Sing Min, Ms. Kim. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, to follow up on the filibuster. I mean,
0: seriously, like, how can you like watch this clip right here and say, no, he's all with it. The guy is clearly not with it. And really, it's just, it's abuse for him. That to, to go, go through this, that they're trying to use him as a shield to push these radical policies. And it, it, it's, it's really sad. Seriously, it's really sad to see. But again, like I said, the media wants to ignore it and say, oh, he's all with it. He's all with it. So the Washington Post uh Posted an article talking talking about uh, President Biden's press conference, and here's what here's the title of it. <clears throat> Excuse me, the art of the possible. Biden Biden lays out pragmatic vision for his presidency. President Biden, answering the 29th question at his first presidential news conference on the on, 60, on the sixty fifth day in office, offered. One of the clearest distillations of his theory of his presidency and how its success will be measured. It's a matter of timing, he said, in an answer to which in which he was referring to gun control measures that but could have been referencing almost any other part of his agenda. As you've all observed, successful presidents better than me have been successful in large part because they know how to time what they what they're doing, in order order it, to decide and prioritize what decides what needs to be done. The arc of history, in Biden's view, comes down to pragma, pragmatism. The it, it, sorry explains how he approach he approach has approached his opening months in office and how he is looking at the coming years. It illustrates how he can describe some Republican policies as sick and un-American while not doing everything in his power to merely stop him. He called the filibuster a racist rhetoric, relic of Jim Crow while also insist- insisting that he wasn't ready to remove it entirely in hopes that there would be some compromise. Successful electoral policies, politics is, is the art of, possible, of the possible, he said. Amid questions whether Biden will be trans- trans- transformation or trans- transitional, whether his strong-armed um, deal-making man of the Senate like Lyndon B. Johnson, or a New Deal government-spanning president like Franklin D. Roosevelt, the hour-long session of where the port is revealed how Biden is attempting to to be accomplished with his own twists. Biden is a politician who um, craves simple language over soaring rhetoric. He often asked his aides to explain things to him in the public the same way they would talk to their mothers. As he stood in the ornate East Room of the White House on Thursday, the distillation of the Biden Governing Doctrine is one that relies on basic nothing and bolts. When I took office, I decided that it was fairly basic, simple proposition and that I got elected to solve problems Biden said he sought to speak on to the frustrations around inactic um, inaction on gun control or the multi-pronged crisis around immigration and or the threats to voter rights but on on, the, on many of the of those issues he urged a bit of patience saying the coronavirus that the coronavirus and economic dev- devastation were more urgent priorities and that the country political system can handle so much at once. We're going to move on these uh, one at a time, try to do as many um, simultaneous as we as as we can, he said. But that is the reason why I, I have why I focus as I have. I'm mysterious so this piece it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty much like a massage session for um, Biden right here. It, it, it's ridiculous. Saying like, pretty much like, oh, he's all with it, he is sharp, he knows exactly what he's doing. I'm sorry, he does not. He doesn't know what he's doing. He He's gone mentally. And really, the person who's in charge probably is Kamala Harris. She's probably the one in charge of trying to push all this. But the left wants to use Biden at the shield to say, uh, we're not radical, these problems are not radical. See, we have a moderate Joe Biden here. It, it's not going to work. It's not going to work anymore because people are going to be fed up with it. All righty, so... Now we got all that away. So now let's move on to the final topic of the day. So the final topic of the day is basically I'm talking about what the gospel really has to say about racial issues, about you know racism and, and all that. So where I want to start is basically kind of ask the question: What is racism? What is the actual definition of racism? And. Basically. What racism is. Or more a more proper term for this. Because race. Is not an actual. Legit term. The proper term for this is. Eth- ethnicity. And as far as world, what. Like, ethnic hatred. That's pretty much what it is. And ethnic hatred is basically you hate someone because of the, you hold prejudice. You hate someone and want to you see yourself as um superior to them because of their ethnicity, because of their color of the skin, and all that. That is what you know. Ethnic hatred is that's what you know. Racism is and all that. I mean, as <laughs> simply what it is. Even though the left of the day would we'll like to say no is unlike. Race plus prejudice plus power or whatever, which I'll get to that a little later. But, you know, the Bible does have something to say about, you know, ethnicity and all that. And, you know, how to, with a, you know, how to approach all that. So first, let's jump to Galatians chapter 3. So, Galatians chapter 3, starting from verse 28, it says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abra- Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. So, again, according to um, power here in Galatians, that, you know, there's no Jew or Greek. No slave, no free, no male, or female. Basically, we say, especially for the church, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter if you're a male or female or whatever. If you're if you're a follower of Christ, we are all one. We are all part of the body of Christ. So now let's jump to Ephesians chapter two. Oh, There we go um so ephesians chapter 2 starting from verse 11 and here is what that says okay. therefore remember that former formerly the gentiles in the flesh who are called um, circumcision by the so-called circumcision which is uh, performed in the flesh by human hands remembering that you were you were at that time separate from christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of, of, of promise, having no hope and without um, without God and the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were um, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself in our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barrier of the divine wall. So, again, Paul is kind of repeating what he said in Galatians. Basically, you know, we are all, it is no longer dividing between ethnicities in the church. We are all one. And so one other place I want to go to is Revelation chapter chapter 7. So, in Revelation chapter 7, this is starting from verse 9. It's called, you know, Multitude from from the Tribulation. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, from which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and people and 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 tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, "Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb." So basically, you know, that's talking about um, you know, heaven right there, towards the end times, where, such the rapture, if you will, where all Christians are being taken up, and basically what the you know point is that when John looked, saw that, he's saying, he saw people from all different regions of the earth, all all different skin colors, all different tongues, or languages, if you will. So again, the Bible is very clear about ethnicity and how, you know, in Christ. It doesn't matter. Your skin color does not matter. It is, um, it's, it's nothing. It's basically, you know, what you look like. And that's pretty much it. It does not define your identity. It does not define your character or your heart. So, put your all your identity on your skin color. It just, it makes no sense. But... Of course, this is where CRT comes in, or Critical Race Theory, uh, where you know they say no, race is a very important part of your identity, and it's probably the most important part of your identity. So, first off, you know what is CRT? What is Critical Race Theory? So, to a simple kind of definition of it. Kind of background of it. Uh, see, Britain... Sorry, Britannica... Um, basically kind of laid out... You know, what what it is. So here's what it says. Critical race theory, or CRT for short... The view that the law and legal institutions are inherently racist... And that race itself, instead of being biologically grounded and natural... Is socially... Constructed in concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color. According to critical race theory, racial inequality emerges from social, economic, and legal differences that white people create between races to maintain elite white <clears throat> interests in labor markets and po- labor markets and politics giving rise to poverty and criminality in many minority communities. The CRT movement officially organized itself in 1989 at their first annual workshop on, on critical race theory through its intellectual origins go back further to the 1960s and 1970s. The launch of, CRT, of the CRT movement marked the separation of critical legal studies in offshoot of critical theory that examined how the law and legal institutions functioned to set per- perpetuate oppression and ex- exploitation. However, instead of drawing theories on social organization, individual behavior um, on continental uh, European thinkers, such as G.W. Um, F. Hegel Karl Marx, and Sigmund uh, Feud, as CLS and feminist um George Pritchard had done, CRT was designed by figures. Sorry, was inspired by figures such as Martin Luther King Jr., W.E.B. Du-, um, du Bois, Malcolm X, the Black Panthers, and France Fannin. Critical race theory advanced on theoretical understandings of the law, politics, and American sociology that focus on the efforts of white people, Euro-American, Euro-Americans to maintain their historical advantages over people of color. CRT spread beyond the um, confines to legal studies to to many other uh, fields, notably women's and gender studies, education, American studies, sociology. CRT spinoffs formed by Asian American, Latinx, or Latino, and LGBTQ scholars have also taken hold. So basically, again, what CRT is, basically another way to look at the world through the lens of race. Basically, all problems have to do with race. There's no personal responsibility, if you're, especially if you're a, pe- a person of color, if you're a black person. If you have a problem with your life, let's do the white supremacy. Basically, anything that's support- purported is, is, that's considered white culture is very bad, and needs to be taken out completely. So basically, the CRT version of racism is is prejudice plus, um, plus power. And basically, what that means is that it is completely justified if you know if a black person hates a white person based on the color of the skin. That's completely justified, and that's not racism according to CRT. <clears throat> so it's. It is re- pretty ridiculous. And what's... Pretty sad is that... Hold on. One second. Alright, sorry about that. Uh, and I had to tickle my throat. So I didn't want to cough. Into the, the mic. So again, you know, like I was saying, you know, kind of the sad part is that some people in the church are starting to buy into this. So I'll get to that in just a little bit, but... Really... There is only one one reason why for racism. There's only one reason for ethnic, ethnic, ethnic hatred. And it all comes down to one issue, and that's the issue of sin. The sinful nature of man. So let's quickly jump to Romans 3.23. So Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Basically, there's no one who is righteous. Actually, let's go to back a little bit to Romans uh, 3.10. So Romans, starting from Romans 3.10, verse 10 says this. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who sees for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is in open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of, of, a, of ash is under their lips. whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. In the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So again. That is another. Basic way of saying that. We as humans are not. As a nature. We are not good. According to God's definition of good. We are not righteous according to God. Apart from Christ. So it is our nature. To not. See God unless he draws us to him and it's all all this is of course origin like I kind of mentioned last week when I talk about you know what is the gospel It all origins goes back to Genesis 3 about you know in the garden of Eden so I'm going to go through part of that So again, in you know, the fall of man. Now the serpent was, was more crafty than any, any beast of the field, the Lord which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden and we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you will eat from it and your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, again, it all stems back from that. Basically, from that question, when the first serpent said, Has God really said, has God really said, and all this? And basically, what kind of pointing to is that the gospel, the Bible, Scripture, does have something to say about racism. Any problem that's, you know, socially, economic, political problem, the gospel, the, the Bible has something to say about it. But the idea from CRTs is that, has God really said something about that? And what's sad, again, like I said, is that the church has started to buy into this. Has started to say... Um, let's have the gospel, we have the gospel, both add this in order to kind of fix these racial issues. So basically, the idea from the church nowadays is that the gospel is not enough anymore. It's simply not enough. That we need the gospel plus something else. Basically, it's going back to the Garden of Eden, where it's said, has God really said something about race? And so, that's why we should have this, in order to really tackle the issue. But the thing is, the gospel, scripture, is enough. It is enough, because God is enough. So, Second Timothy 3, 16-17, it says this, let me flip to it. So 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So, scripture is sufficient. It is enough. But the idea that somehow it is not enough regarding race, as race is somehow race somehow a whole different category of sin that the gospel doesn't cover It's complete BS. It's complete and utter BS. You know, when we start you know, adding stuff to the gospel and everything, we go we're going down the very, very wrong path. Again, the gospel is enough, and we need to stop adding to it. We need to stop. Let's real quick jump to Galatians chapter 1 real quick. So Galatians chapter 1 started from verse 8 says this. But even if we or an angel from heaven should sorry, should preach should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you he is to be accursed, as we have said before. So I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So again, it says very clearly. Anybody who try, anybody who tries to add the gospel, anybody who tries to preach a gospel that's contrary to the actual gospel, you know, they are to be accursed. Because I mean, really, what the CRT plus the gospel is is another form of the social gospel, which is a false gospel. The social gospel, prosperity gospel, are all false gospels. Like I, like I tackled last week, and. Like I I said before, we need to practice discernment regarding this. We need to be careful and diligent and know the actual gospel in order to spot things like this before it really comes in to the church. Alrighty, so now let's go to Acts chapter 7. So last week we finished um, chapter 6, so we're going to be Going through part of the chapter seven today. Start probably going through at verse twelve. So here is what it says: The Stephen's defense. The high priest, high priest said, "Are these things so?" And he said, "Hear me, brethren, and and fathers. the God, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. How do we say that? Before he lived in um, Haran, and he said to him, "Leave your country and your relatives, and come to the land that I will show you." Then he left the land of uh, of the uh, Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, after his father died, God had him moved to this country in which you are now living, but He gave him no inheritance to it, not even a foot of ground. And yet, even he had even he, when he had no child. He promised to that he would give to him as possession, as a possession, and to his descendants, Athram. But God spoke to this effect, that his descendants will be aliens in a foreign land, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated for four hundred years. And whatever nation to which they will be in bondage, I myself would judge. God said and after that they will come out and serve me in this place and he gave them the covenant of circumcision and so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day and Isaac became became the father of Jacob and the Jacob um, the Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs the patriarchs became jealous of Joseph, and, told and sold him into Egypt. Yet God was with him, and rescued him from all of this after, um, all after from all of his afflictions, and granted him favor, and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of, king, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his household. Now a famine came all over over all Egypt and a Canaan. And great, great affliction with with it, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard, heard that there was no was grain in Egypt, he sent our brothers there to the for the, there the first time. Alrighty, so I'm gonna stop there for right now because chapter seven is pretty long, so I kind of want to break it down a little bit. Alrighty, so now let's move on to the guest of ambassador of the week really just the good stuff. So the good stuff of the week, um so over the past couple weeks actually, uh The Falcon and the Widow Soldier have finally been released on D C Plus, or at least the first two episodes. And it's pretty good so far. It is pretty good. It it hasn't really like kind of uh hooked me like personally, hooked me in like what WandaVision did. Like WandaVision kind of really hooked me and really piqued my interest from episode one. Because it was this mystery that, like, what is going on here? What is going on, with Wanda? What is she up to? Is this like, is she doing this? Is she not? It, it was a very intriguing show. But even then, you know, this show, it that the Falcon and Winter Soldier is still pretty good. It's still pretty good in my opinion. And here's a little bit of a trailer for it. So. Who would like to start? Mr. Barnes, why does Sam aggravate you?
1: 15 seconds to drop. So what's our plan? Great.
0: Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. The wall's
1: upside down right now. Where do we start? Buck, no, no, no. Right. I have a plan. Oh yeah? What is it? Is you ready? ready, ready. Here we go again, huh? We've been running hard on the job. can that from up. Are you ready? Hello oh. you ready? your Is you ready? ready? you ready?
0: See, that wasn't so hard. Are you ready? Oh, is you ready? ready? Okay. You say you ready. What are you doing?
1: Squad ready.
0: Ready? Are you having a staring ready? contest?
1: Oh, are you ready? 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 Is you ready?
0: Just blink sweet Jesus. I mean, how old are you? Again, it, it is pretty. It is really good. And uh, the relationship between, like, kind of Bucky and uh Sam right here is kind of like, you know, we kind of saw it in um, Civil War, kind of they're bickering back and forth. It's kind of like, if you've seen it, Hobbs and Shaw, kind of the spin-off from Fast and Furious, kind of like their relationship where they just, but it's less vulgar <laughs> in this one. is 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 pretty hilarious, but definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. If you haven't. So I'm really kind of excited to see you know where these all oh, these Marvel shows because they they've done a really good job with these shows so far. Like WandaVision was excellent. This show seems excellent so far. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. I mean, this is a for superhero fans right now. It's a really good time because we got this. We got a Snyder cut of Justice League, which was which was awesome, and I got a, potentially it's a, a new online campaign to restore the Snyderverse, basically all Zack snyder's kind of different his ideas for justice league 2 the third justice league the batman movie cyborg the flash and all that so i'm really excited to see where what comes out of that all right so i think that's all i have for this episode so i'll be back here next week with all the latest my name is sean clinton and this is the guide to for new show If you enjoyed this episode of The God of the Freedom the Show, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Remember, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Thank you for listening or watching. Hey guys, so I want to kind of give a quick heads up about something that's coming up here in the, um, in the fall. So that is the G3 Conference. Um, it's happening here in Atlanta, Georgia. It will take place in the World Congress Center, um, just right near the CNN Center in like Olympic uh, park right there. Uh, definitely I have this might be my first time going here and it'll be have you know many speakers there such as you know Vodie Boncom, Paul Washer, John MacArthur, John Bruce, uh, let's see Phil Johnson, James White. Daryl Harrison, Virgil Walker, and a lot of others. So if you haven't registered yet, um, just go and register. Um, you can simply, you know, tap into Google uh, G3 Conference 2021. Click on, um, go to website, click on events. And the event is called for G3 2021 Christ. Go there, click on register now, and then you can fill out your details all right there. Um, again, I'll be there, and it will be my first time going there, so I definitely, if you have the chance, recommend trying to go in there, so it seems like it'll be a lot of fun, so definitely go check it out.